0: We are here because we want to worship Jesus. And Jesus told us to worship him, to love him with all of our hearts, with all of our what? Minds. Minds. With our minds. We are to know him. We are to take on his ways and learn of him. We are to study his Word so that we might know the heart of God. And so today uh, we want to do that very thing. The communion table is also set. Uh, The ushers are already a step ahead of me as always. Uh, godly, good-looking men. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll give you one. Uh, And find your way to Genesis chapter 11. Title of the message is The Tower of Babel. Tower of Babel. We are going through the book of Genesis verse by verse. Uh, Been a fascinating study as we've looked at creation of the universe and creation of man and uh, uh, the uh, the fall of man and the uh, the sinful uh, world that uh, that uh, happened because of uh, the wickedness of man and God's judgment on that in the flood. And last week we saw the covenant that God made. And he said, I'm never going to judge the earth by a flood again. I don't want to bring judgment on you. I want to bring grace and mercy on you. And he makes a covenant with Noah and with all of mankind, the Noahic covenant. And he promises uh, uh, that uh, he'll never judge the the earth again by flood. And puts a rainbow as a sign of that covenant of his grace and his mercy. And we're reminded of how good God is to us, his people. Uh, As we move here into chapter 11, it's a fascinating chapter. And uh, we're only, you know... Two chapters out of the flood, and here we see that man, once again, is prone to corruption. And it's astonishing to consider. And you look at it and you think, what the heck? Wasn't it just a couple of chapters ago that you were so thankful you were saved? And now a tower of Babel? What the heck? Well, we're going to look at that. And as we look at it, we're kind of surprised that man could be that sinful until we look at what? Ourselves. I'm amazed how God can bless me so abundantly. And then I can turn and stumble and fall into sin. And, and uh, uh, I think of the, the, the song uh, Prone to Wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Uh, it's amazing that we have a God who is so rich in mercy that even though we're prone to wander, He has grace and mercy on us, and He's always bringing us back to back to himself, back to truth. And that's what I want this morning to do. Uh, as we look at this Tower of Babel, uh, you probably have some preconceived ideas. Uh, I hope to shake those a little bit and uh, make sure that they line up with what the Bible is actually teaching. And uh, so may we gain understanding as we read God's word. Let's pray together. Uh, why don't we stand for a prayer? Uh, Lord, we come before you. And we open your word right now with reverence. Lord, we know that faith is a gift. If you don't give it, we don't have it. And Lord, we ask that you would strengthen our faith. Give us faith. For any that are here that have not made you Lord, Lord, we pray that you would give them faith to make you the Lord of their life. And Lord, for any of us who are wandering and, and straying, Lord, bring us back. Help us to hear your voice, for we are your sheep, and we know the shepherd's voice. Lord, would you please speak to us? We're calling upon you. We're asking for your presence. Would you bless your people? We prayed in Jesus' name, and everyone said, "Amen." Amen. Amen. Uh, before I get into the uh, the text, I uh, I was praying for you this morning, and um, I was praying, Lord, uh, very similar to what I just prayed, Lord, how much we need your presence. Like we don't want to just do church, right? We want we want you to be here. Uh, And I thought about, uh, I have two grandkids now, and I thought about how uh, when those little grandbabies come into my house, oh, my countenance just lifts, right? It's just like, woohoo, they're here, right? How much more the creator of the universe? Oh, we need his presence. It changes the soul. It feeds us. It nourishes us. And it's where we have life. And so, uh, let's open up to uh, Genesis 11, and uh, with that anticipation of hearing and receiving from God, uh, God has made a covenant with uh, Noah, his grace upon the earth, uh, and here we are only a couple chapters out, and look, look what happens. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. Imagine that, Genesis 11:1. if you don't know where we're at, Genesis 11:1. The whole earth had one language and one speech. We long for that. That'd be amazing, right? Uh, sometimes in marriage we long for one language and one speech, right? Uh, and here, all the people had it. And and look, look what happens. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found the plain, They found a plain in the land of Shinar. Shinar is uh, 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 ancient Babylon. It's there in uh, in I, current Iraq. And uh, uh, it's just a little bit south and east from where they landed on the mountains of Ararat. Uh, I have a map for you if you want to see. Uh, there's the mountains of Ararat, that little pin up, up there by Armenia. Uh, and then here they move west. And south, and they come down to Iraq. This is where Babylon is, and that big circle there is the is the plain of Shinar. Uh, Shinar is just an ancient name for Babylon. Okay, so this is the area that we're dealing with here. They found the plain of Shinar, or Babylon, or Iraq. Uh, Verse three. Then they said to one another, "Come and let us make bricks." and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. The heaven just means the sky, a tall tower. And let us make a name for ourselves. I'd like you to underline those words. Let us make a name for who? Ourselves, lest we are scattered abroad over the face of the earth. A couple of things here as we're looking at this. It says that they uh, they made bricks and baked them thoroughly. Here we see at this time of human history, man was pretty advanced. They're making brick buildings. They're baking bricks. And we know the bricks that they made during that time were exceptional, uh, just really high quality, better than the bricks we make today. How do we know this? Because they're still around, right? Uh, just incredible to consider, uh, they're still around, there is a... Uh, a uh, a ziggurat named the, I think it's pronounced Syilk, uh ziggurat, here in Iraq, and the bricks are 5,000 years old in that thing, and they're still together. Uh, I have another uh, picture of a ziggurat in, in Iraq. Uh, this is the, uh, the, the ziggurat of Ur. Uh, This is a a ziggurat that was made in 2100 BC. Uh, The archaeologists found it. They're outlining it right there. Uh, That's in Iraq. And they have uh, undug it, you know, dug it out and began to restore it. Here's what it looks like now. That's it. So you can see this is not like barbaric type of civilization, right? This, these are nice, beautiful buildings, giant staircases, uh, seven layers to this thing. And on the top, a temple, uh, this is what they, they were doing. This is what they were building. Uh, it says here they had, uh, they baked bricks thoroughly. So they're very advanced. Uh, they, Uh, Had brick for stone, and notice this: it says they has they have asphalt for mortar uh, or bitumen, uh, more accurately. They had what is asphalt? That black stuff we drive on, right? And uh, they they had that for mortar. And by the way, this is just kind of interesting: in the early 1900s, J.D. Rockefeller was reading his Bible. And he read this, and he said, where there's asphalt, there's oil. oil. And he went to Iraq and started drilling and became the first billionaire, the, mo- the richest man on the planet. He developed and created Standard Oil, all from reading his Bible. <laughs> reading your Bible pays big dividends, baby. <laughs> read up. Uh, very interesting. Uh, so they had asphalt for mortar. They were advanced. Uh, you know, uh, Verse 4. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower who is in the top of the heavens. And again, I asked you to underline this. Underline this. Let us make a name for ourselves. Then they say something interesting. What do they say right after that? Lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. That's a crazy thing to say. Why in the world would they be worried about being scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth? Why would they worry that? Do any of you ever worry, I'm afraid I'm going to be scattered? No, nobody worries that. Why were they worried about that? Well, here's why. In chapter 9... Verse 1, we can read it. As a matter of fact, let's do that. Let's flip back. In chapter 9, verse 1, God gave a command. After he blessed Noah and made a covenant with them, a covenant of mercy, he said, he blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, read it with me, be fruitful and multiply, and he gave them the same command he gave Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve did it. They filled the earth. Now the whole world was judged. And he's starting again with Noah and his sons. And he tells them to fill the earth. But instead of filling the earth, what do they do? Well, they go down to Shinar and they stay there. And they're worried that they're going to be scattered all over the face of the earth. Which means they know what? They know they're rebelling against the command God gave them. They knew what God's will was. God's will was to repopulate all the nations. And they said, nope, not going to do it. We're going to stay right here. Uh, This gives you some insight into what is going on here. Uh, Making a name great for themselves, disobeying the command of God, verse 5. But the Lord came down to see the city. Uh, Came down is just an anthropomorphic term. Uh, God sees everything. He's all-knowing. Uh, The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one. They're united. And they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. I want you to circle the word or or underline the word, whatever you do. Begin to do. Here's what God says. And this is what they begin to do, and nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. We'll talk about this more in just a little bit. Uh, On the surface reading, it kind of sounds like God's holding back for them from them. They want to do something, and God's saying, Oh, no, I I can't let them do that. They're going to, they're going to, no, 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 no. This was something destructive. That would have been very bad for them. And we'll come back to this in just a minute. And he, God says, listen, if I don't do something, it's going to happen. They're going to they're complete this. Verse 7, come, let us go down. And there, confuse their language. Here again, we see God speaking in the plural, God, singular God, one God, three persons, Come, let us go down and confuse their languages. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all three very involved in the affairs of man on a daily basis. All three very in tune to what you're thinking, what you're doing, and why you're doing it. The psalmist would write, Lord, when I think of you, it's mind-boggling. He said, when I consider the moon, the stars, the sun, which you have ordained, when I look at the universe, what is man that you're mindful of him? What is man that you would visit him? If I would number your thoughts towards us, they would be more than the sands of the sea. Such things are too wonderful for me. They're high. I can't even grasp it. Lord, you're always thinking about us. How amazing that this holy, righteous God would take interest in us, his creation. But he created you for a purpose. He wants you to know him, to understand his great love for you, and to be transformed by his wisdom and his knowledge that you would obey his ways and walk in his ways. And by obeying his ways and walking in his ways, your life would be transformed and it would glorify who? Him. It would glorify God. You look at a sunset and you go, oh man, it's just amazing. It glorifies God. It's just doing what it's supposed to do. And as we abide in Jesus, as we uh, learn his ways, our lives will glorify God. We're just doing what we're supposed to do. And here, God being very interested, he's saying, hey, this isn't good. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit says, hey, this isn't good. They're going to finish this thing. It's going to be disastrous. Let us go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Verse 8, so the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. God put a stop to their work. Verse 9, therefore the name is called what? Babel. Babel. The name is called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. Babel here means confused. Uh, The Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. What God told them to do in Genesis 9-1, they didn't do. And God finds a way to get them to do it, right? Confuses their languages and they scatter into all the different nations of the earth and repopulate the earth. Uh, Some things I want to bring out to us here as we begin to digest this text and really understand what it means. Uh, First and foremost, as I've already mentioned, this was an advanced people group. Uh, The whole world was one language, uh, one nation, one people group. And a universal language would produce a rapid advancement in civilization. It is interesting because of technology we are getting back to this place where the whole world is moving towards being all of one language again. And we're seeing the need to be all of one currency. And our governments right now are working and prepping and thinking about how to bring cryptocurrency, forget this cash stuff. Man. And everything is moving towards this one language, one world government, right? and here be as i mean never in the history of man has it been so but now you can speak a text into your phone and send it to somebody it will trans and come over in the text and be in a different language and you can get google translate and speak something in and bring it up and whatever and here we're coming back to this all being of one language and when the we are all of one language uh, a civilization advances rapidly this was an advanced civil- civilization We know from archaeology that ancient Babylon was quite advanced. Uh, They had a very accurate calendar that was able to uh, look at the the solar system and, and understand years and months and days. A calendar so accurate that they could predict the, the, the seasons, and the first day of spring, and the time to plant, and all those kind of uh, very accurate, very precise. Uh, they could chart seasons to the day. They knew how to measure time. Uh, they knew there were 24 hours in a day, and they knew how to measure time. They knew there was 360 degrees in a circle. They developed maps. They were able to map Uh, geographical areas. Uh, They had cuneiform writings, uh, you know, pictorial language, and and we have cuneiform tablets. I've I've looked at them, uh, uh, you know, going all the way back to the days of Babylon. Uh, Just amazing to consider. They had agriculture with advanced irrigation. They had plows. Uh, They had flax clothing. They had urbanization. They had chariots. They had sailboats. Is that not crazy? Uh, they had advanced mathematics that just blow our minds. Mathematics that were, were so complex. Uh, they had ad- advanced mathematical formulas for planetary motion that were incredibly accurate. And they knew about different planets. Uh, we read they had uh, the ability to bake bricks. Uh, They made ornate buildings. I showed you that picture of that ziggurat, and it looked pretty brown, right? Uh, That's not what it looked like in their day. They were incredibly artistic and very colorful, and they had ornate art on all their stuff. Uh, And we have, uh, you know, some artifacts of that. I mean, they were an advanced people group. Um, Amazing things to consider. Uh, and Genesis 11 that we're reading, this was the beginning of Babylon. The beginning of this advanced civilization. This is also the beginning the Bible tells us of false religions. False religions, uh, as a matter of fact, the book of Revelation, Revelation 17 says that Babylon was the mother of all false religions. That's Revelation 17. The mother of all false religions and abominations on the earth. All had their birth in Babylon. Uh, All the pagan religions of the world have similarities that date back to Babylon. There is nothing new under the sun. And here, this is the birth of Babylon question for you as we move on then we understand this was an advanced civilization now question for you what was the purpose of the tower of Babel they were not building a tower thinking they could climb to God right that's not I know you might have learned that when you were a kid or maybe just uh, thought that but, but they're not trying to climb to heaven they're far too advanced for that what was then the tower of Babel Well we learn, we see the scripture is showing us some things this is man's first attempt at a one world government man's first attempt at a one world government Uh, it was sinful, it was corrupt and it was in rebellion against God And to understand Babylon, we must first understand its leader. Who was the leader of Babylon? Nimrod. Nimrod. Uh, Funny name. Uh, uh, I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) 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 Um, uh, We looked last week briefly at this. Uh, Genesis 10 is the table of nations. Uh, And chronologically, Genesis 11 precedes Genesis 10. Genesis 10 is the result of this problem in, with the Tower of Babel, right? Uh, and we'll look at this more if time allows. But right now, I want to draw your attention to, uh, let's jump in at verse 8. Chapter 10, verse 8. Are you there? Give me a big amen if you're there. Amen. Chapter 10, verse 8. Cush begat who? Nimrod. Nimrod. Do you know what Nimrod means? To rebel. To rebel. Cush begats Nimrod. And he began to be a mighty one on the earth. What does that mean? He began to be a mighty one on the earth? Yeah, he began to be a ruler on the earth. He began to be a king on the earth. And let's see what it says about him. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Or this might help you more. He was a mighty tyrant before the Lord. What he's hunting for is not animals. God is not against hunting uh, uh, this is a a man who is wicked, he's a tyrant leader and he's a mighty tyrant or a mighty hunter before the Lord therefore it is said like Nimrod the mighty hunter before the Lord, in other words he was renowned his reputation was well known in all the earth it was known of him that he's the mighty tyrant of the earth yeah that's what it's telling us here there is a Some ancient Jewish targums, Uh, a targum, by the way, is um, uh, an ancient Jewish commentary on the Bible. And I I put a quote from an ancient Jewish targum up here for you on your screens. Uh, This is a targum about Genesis 10 here that we're reading. Uh, Here's what it says. He, Nimrod, was was powerful in hunting and in wickedness before the Lord for he was a hunter of the sons of men. This is thousands of years old, this Targum, right? Uh, And he said to them, depart from the judgment of the Lord and adhere to the judgment of Nimrod. What's that? Could it be a world leader who says, don't listen to the Bible, listen to me? That would never happen, would it? And here is the, is the mother of abominations, Babylon. And it's King Nimrod, the rebellion guy, the one who wants to be a world leader, the one who is trying to establish his own personal dominion, the one who's doing it all for himself. And this is what God is saying, what they have begun to do, It will happen, right, if God doesn't intervene here. And look what he says. Look at this. uh, There's some more insights here. Verse 10, look at this with me. And the beginning of his, what? Kingdom Kingdom was Babel. He was the king of Babel. The beginning of his dominion was Babel. Not only Babel, but also Erech and Akad and Kalna in the land of Shinar. These are other towns there. Uh, In other words, he was king of the whole land of Shinar, uh, which is uh, ancient, you know, uh, modern Iraq and ancient Babylon. Um, uh, Verse 11, from that land he went out, and that wasn't enough for him. Where did he go after that? He conquers what? Assyria. If you know anything about world history, you know that the Assyrians were an incredibly cruel people group. Why? Well, turns out they had a very cruel king who started the the whole country. The Assyrians were so wicked, they would do horrible uh, crimes of humanity. They would bury people alive in the desert up to their head and then pull their tongue out, put a spike through it into the sand, and let them die there by dehydration. That's just wicked. I mean, you, There's something wrong with you when you're doing that kind of stuff, right? Uh, they would put hooks in people's nose as, as they would take a town, and they would lead all the captives out by putting a hook in their nose and chaining them together so they couldn't run away by a hook in their nose. Uh, why people pierce their nose now with a hook in it, I don't know. But... Uh, <laughs> Why do I say things like that? I just cause problems for myself. What is wrong with me? If you have a pierced nose, it's great. My daughter has one. I just... Lord help me. Should I just leave right now? I mean, oh my gosh. How to win friends and influence people. Where the heck was I? Assyria. Uh, He then built Nineveh. Ah, We know a little bit about Nineveh. If you're a Bible scholar, you know about Nineveh and the wickedness that was there. Uh, He built uh, all the names of these other cities that I won't get into. Uh, uh, But here we see that rebel Nimrod's goal was to rule the world and he was advancing rapidly and he was having dominion over large areas And in order to rule the world, he had a game plan. And that game plan is revealed to us. Did you see it? Did you catch it? Do you understand it? To accomplish his game plan, he has two goals. One, turn the people away from the true and living God. And secondly, create a false religion that will draw them in and give them what they want. Build a ziggurat, a giant tower, a meeting place. Here God tells us that this this twisted plan, Nimrod the king of, of Babel he had a twisted plan he wanted to make a name great for himself he wanted world dominion and what he promised the people was that you can be have a great name yourself and I'll give you everything you want and notice how he goes about it he can't just say quit believing in God why? why? why can't he just say hey quit believing in God Here's why. Because the belief in God is innate in the human soul. You can go through every epoch of time, every era, and you will find that man is insatiably religious. Why? Because the Bible tells us eternity is written in our hearts. We know that there is more to life than just this life. Plus God has given us moral law, uh, his general grace, his common grace in the theological term that is upon all the world that we know there's a right and a wrong and we know that we're, we're not doing good, but we know there's a God. And so world leaders can't just say, well, there's no God. So what he does is he makes another God. Why? Because his goal is to get mankind away from the true and living God. Just like a bad person would want to remove a child from the authority of their parents to take away that protection. Well, a a bad king would love to remove... The, the, the knowledge of the true and living God. And in order to do that, he has to give a counterfeit God. And people will gladly embrace counterfeit gods. Because counterfeit gods let you do all the things you want to do. And when you worship a counterfeit God, you are really the boss. And you make a God who just blesses all the things that you want to do. Uh, and so this is what has happened. This is what's going on. Let us make a name for ourselves. Yeah, we'll be great. Uh, and the Tower of Babel was all about worshiping self. It's uh, supposed to be glorifying God, and it's all about glorifying self. And the, the enemy's plan is always to get us away out of the... the uh, get, the relationship with the true and living God. Because the moment you're in a relationship with the true and living God, you know that there are, there are great things that God has planned for you. There is wisdom in following his ways. And the, the, what's happening is here is we're leaving the true and living God and going after a God who just gives you whatever you want. And we see the same thing happening in our day. Uh, we make a God who just goes along with our own desires and blesses them. And so we worship materialism and we pick a God who blesses materialism. We worship uh, sexual immorality or fornication and we worship a God who, who, believe, who just... Uh, uh, Supports that and it goes along with it. And we see the same things happening today. Just amazing to consider. Since they cannot worship themselves and glorify God, God has to go and uh, they just make their own God. Nimrod does another thing that's very interesting. Not only does he create a new God, he also creates a monumental place of worship where everyone gathers in unity where everyone gathers as a rallying point to unify the masses because if everybody's doing it it must be okay and this is the wickedness of evil this is the sin of evil this is the sin of man Uh, he builds this giant ziggurat a place to worship the false gods and you know what Nimrod named that giant ziggurat The Tower of Babel. He named it that. And you know what Babel means originally? Not originally. You know what it means originally? The Gate of God. El is God, and he names it the gate of God. This is the place where we're going to worship God. The same thing happened with the children of Israel after they were delivered out of Egypt. uh, Moses goes up in the mountain for 40 days, and they make a golden calf, and they call it God. It's not. And next thing you know, they're doing wildly sexual, crazy things, right? Here's the problem. Uh, the moment that we depart from the true and living God, we automatically fall greatly. And we become animalistic. Uh, We make a God that supports these various desires that we have. And here's what God says. God says yes, you have these bodily appetites, but you are far more than your bodily appetites. You are far more than your desires, and you, I want you to bring all of those desires into submission, into obedience, because I have called you for great things. You were created to be in fellowship with God. That is where worth and greatness comes from, from our creator, and he wants to impart his wisdom and his truth into us, and when we do, our lives are elevated quite high by God. Our lives glorify God. When we make a God, a God uh, uh, of our own, what happens is we then just give in to all of our desires. And we say, God made me this way. And this is how I worship God. And it's insane. It's insane. You know what I'm watching? I'm watching in our land right now this very thing happening on steroids. Right now, our Supreme Court, as you know, is considering making a change on the road versus Wade and abolishing abortion to the praise and glory of God, right? And yet the tension in the world over this issue, can you believe how high it is? And I have found something very astonishing. I'm not surprised that the tension is high over it, for if you're an unbeliever and you think that that's a good thing, uh, well, you know, uh, that you're lost in sin. But what I find incredibly astonishing is that those who are saying we want abortion, protect abortion, are doing it in the name of what? In the name of God. Uh, I've been watching these protests, and not once, not twice, but scores of times, I have seen protests that says, "God bless abortion." Crazy! Uh, don't believe me? Here's some pictures for you. Thank God for abortion. Uh, here's another. Here's a, a, a parade. Thank God for abortion. Here's another. Thank God for abortion. Look at this one in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Put that next one up there for me if you will. Uh, Look at this. Here on the statue of Christ, a giant, uh, God bless, abortion. How does this happen? How does this happen? We want to worship ourselves... And we want to remake God to fit our worship of ourselves. And in doing so, we make our own belief system where God approves of our self worship. It is our own personal tower of Babel, if you will. We have changed God and we have changed worship. And we have a theology where I am Lord, and God approves of my sin, my sin of materialism, my sin of fornication, my sin of whatever it might be. We're controlled by our bodily appetites, and we just want God to bless that. That's not how it works. And I want to remind us all that we are not God. And if we are not God, we are not Lord. Lord means authority, ruler, master. God is our authority, and what he says has to happen, and our job is to understand his wisdom in that, to trust that, and to line ourselves up with that, so that our lives can be fruitful and 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 abundant, and that's exactly what Jesus said. Uh, that he would give us abundant life if we walk in his ways. Take on my ways and learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You're going to have a joy in your soul. You're going to be abounding. Your kids are going to prosper. Everything's going to be good, right? Uh, it doesn't mean you won't have hardship, but you'll have wisdom to go through hardship, and you will be fruitful. And this is God's will for us. We're not the Lord. And the Tower of Babel was man's attempt to be Lord. And do you know what God did with that? He judged it. He judged it. And Nimrod's gate of God, Babel, became a gate of confusion and chaos. And that is God's protection. And I'm afraid the same thing is going to happen to us as a nation if we do not repent. The Bible clearly says that righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. If we do not humble ourselves and align ourselves with the lordship of Jesus Christ and turn back to his ways, if we if we think that God is going to bless all of our, and God made me this way, you know, you are more than an animal. And you are not meant to be controlled by your bodily appetites. You are far superior to that. You are made in the image of God. And he is to be the one who leads, guides, and directs you. And in doing so, your life will be a righteous picture of the glory of God. It's amazing that uh, we would be reduced to just animalistic behaviors. And so God confused their language, and he scattered the people all over the place. And I want you to know, he did it for their own protection. God had promised he wouldn't bring judgment on them, and if they would continue in this way, do you know what would have happened? They would have had a one-world ruler, Uh, they would have had a one-world government, and what would it have done for them all? It would have brought them all under tremendous bondage and hardship why? God is not against one world governments here's the problem, in order to have a one world government that's any good you got to have a good king, you got to have a godly king and there is not one, absolute power corrupts absolutely, man cannot handle it There is only what man wants, what man longs for, is a one-world government that is governed in righteousness. Do you know why we long for it? Because we're made for it. But there's only one righteous king. His name is Jesus. And until that time, we need checks and balances on every level of leadership, including mine, here is your pastor, and including our government in here in California, and including our government in the nation, because without it, we will go into tyranny. And we are quickly moving. I hope that on Tuesday, we vote biblical, biblical values. Because when we bring God back into the equation, wisdom enters into the, into the, into the land. Uh, and I, 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 I could get on a rant. I... I <laughs> Um, so what does God do? Uh, God doesn't want to go around just judging the nations, uh, judging the earth with another flood or whatever. So God scatters the nations to protect, uh, protect humanity, to protect uh, humanity from self-destruction. Notice that verse that I had you circle uh, back in verse 6. He says, uh, they're all one language. They're all one people. And this is what they begin to do, to have a different God over them, and to have uh, a different way of worship, and and a cruel leader over them, and it will end in total destruction, and I want to protect them from that. And so God scatters them and sends them all over the earth. And I find it so interesting, this powerful Nimrod. This world leader, this rebel, this one that has all of mankind rebelling against God in Shinar and in uh, Nineveh and in Assyria and in all these places, this powerful leader in an instant is reduced to nothing. God scatters them effortlessly. No flood, no judgment, no earthquake, no volcano. No, no, nothing, just with a word from heaven, change their language, and they're scattered all over the earth. And Nimrod's kingdom, down into the toilet where it belongs. Must have been quite a miraculous thing. Can you imagine? They actually had gifts of different languages that were given to them. Imagine showing up for work on Monday, and you're like, hey, Joe, what's going on? Or maybe Joseph, maybe. Hey, Joseph, what's going on? And, and then on Tuesday, you come in, and you're like, don't understand a word they say. <laughs> I know many husband and wives feel that way sometimes, right? You come home, like, I don't understand a word you're saying, right? Uh, But that must have been weird, right? And what happened? God gave the gift of languages to these different groups. And the people who spoke languages gathered together. And they couldn't understand what these people are saying. And so we understand here. And we we start our own little town over here. And they scatter throughout the earth just as God instructed them to in chapter 9, verse 1. Right? Uh, Amazing must have been crazy, right? Uh, So they all grouped together. Uh, And this is very interesting, uh, just looking at world history now, because chronologically, as I mentioned, chapter 11 precedes chapter 10. Uh, Chapter 10 tells you what happened, and chapter 11 tells you why it happened. So here they build this Tower of Babel, God confounds their languages, and they scatter all over. Go back to chapter 10 just for a second. Uh, verse 2 says, uh, uh, these are the sons of Japheth, right? Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, right? Uh, and now it gives the genealogy of these three sons. The sons of Japheth were blah, 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 blah. Now read verse 5. From these, the coastland peoples of the Gentiles were separated into their lands. Everyone, what does it say? According to his language. God gave this little tribe a language, and they went off and went over to this area. Verse 6, these are the sons of Ham, and it lists all the sons. And then you jump down to verse 19. And the border of their land was the Canaanites, from where Sidon, uh, as you go towards... Sorry, I got a glare here. As you go towards Gerar, as far as Gaza, as you go towards Sodom and Gomorrah and Adma and these other towns, look at verse 20, therefore the sons of Ham, according to their families and according to what? Their languages in the lands and in their nations. Uh, by the way, if you're a Bible nerd, this is kind of interesting. I'll hit it real fast. And if it goes over your head, don't, don't worry about it. Uh, circle there in verse 19, Gaza, Gaza, the land of Canaan, where's that? In Gaza? That's the Gaza Strip today. And God gave it to him. What's interesting is there are Muslims who think it's their land, and there's Jews who think it's their land. There's this big fight over it, right? And the, sons of the, 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 the Muslims say, oh, no, we're, we're sons of who? Ishmael, and this is our land crazy if we would just read our bibles we would see this wasn't given to ishmael this wasn't in Shem. uh the the lineage of shim is where abraham will come from where ishmael will come from and they're given a total different area so neither are the muslims uh, uh anyway that's geeky but gaza doesn't belong to them right doesn't belong to them um hopefully that makes sense Anyway, well, the point I'm getting is God scattered. God gives them these different languages, and these different people groups go all over the place. Amazing to consider. Uh, what's fascinating is, forget the Bible. You say, oh, "Gosh, this sounds crazy. I don't know about any of that stuff. I don't. I don't believe that stuff." Okay, fair enough. Just look at world history, then, and you know what you find? At about this time in human history. As Genesis 11, as God scatters mankind, you know what you find? You find advanced forms of civilizations popping up all over the world at the exact same time. How do you explain that? It was shortly after Babel that pyramids were built in Egypt in that same time period. How do you explain that? It was shortly after ba- Babel that Stonehenge was built. How do you explain that? How did they move these massive stones and get them on top of there? We don't know. I can tell you they took technology from Babylon from building this ziggurat and they used it all over the earth. And it doesn't matter where you go. You can look at the the Inca Indians, uh, you go to South America, North America, Central America, all over the place, to Iran, to all over the place. And you know what you find? These ziggurats that all have similar uh, uh, architecture and similar design, and they all pop up at the same time in history. How do you explain that? I'll tell you how. There was a very advanced people group that were scattered all over the earth and these similar buildings pop up all over the earth, validating the word of God. Also, if you remember back in our Genesis 6 talk, when we looked at the flood, we saw Chinese, the oldest, one of the oldest languages in the world that still exists. Uh, It's a uh, picture graph language. It's a uh, a logogram language, right? They, they use characters and all of the, uh, not all, but a, a huge part of the, the uh, language is biblically based, we looked at all that, if you didn't catch that, go back and watch Genesis 6 on video, and you'll see this, I mean, they knew about their language is based off, the Chinese characters are based off of Noah, and Adam, and Eve, and sin, and a lamb being slain, uh, and a flood, and eight people in a boat, and all these things to make their everyday language how do you explain that? Here's how, the Tower of Babel They were scattered. The descendants of Noah, uh, not that far down the line, got scattered all over the earth. There are 240 accounts of the flood in every tribe, nation, and people group. How do you explain that? Here's how. Right? Uh, Amazing. So if you look at the story and you go, you guys are crazy. Well, you got history to deal with if you don't believe the Bible, right? Uh, Ziggurats popping up all over the world. Um. God is incredibly diverse. Um, I just looked at the clock and we're out of time. Uh, (laughs) God is incredibly diverse. There are many nations, there are many tribes, there are many ethnicities, and there are many people groups. I look at creation and I love it. I mean, there's all kinds of flowers of all different kinds, all different kinds of plants, all different kinds. And, and in, the, in, in man, there's all kinds of ethnicities, people groups and everything, but there's only one race. It is the human race. There are not many races. God scattered the nations, Uh, but he did not make many races. Do you know who teaches that? Evolution, and it is not true. It is not true. There is only one race. That is the human race. The Bible is crystal clear about this. Acts 17, on your screens, let me hear you read this. We'll prepare our hearts for communion. Uh, Let me hear you read this, church. He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. And has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Wow, that sounds like what we're reading right here. Uh, from one blood, we were all made in the image of God. Imago day, We all have one God. We all came from one human father. His name was Adam. We inherited sin from him. And because of that, we all have a need for one Savior. His name is Jesus, and he's amazing. He longs to show us grace, mercy, and, and forgiveness. And uh, 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 we, we, are, we are one race. We are one race. We all come from one God. Um, one other just interesting sidebar, by the way, on this. Language is an amazing gift. And there is actually gifts of languages. And here we see that uh, God did that in in the Tower of Babel. God gave this gift of language only to you. Excuse me. Only to who? Only to humans. You are made in the image of God. And God gave you the gift of language to be able to express what is on your heart, your feelings, the depths of your emotions, the things that are important to you that you might have intimacy and fellowship with another that you might have intimacy and fellowship with your god that he might express the things that are important to him to you and you might understand them and be able to express the things that are important to you to him and you would have intimacy and fellowship it is very interesting by the way at the tower of babel No one could understand each other's language. At the tower of sin, what sin produced was confusion and disorder and a lack of understanding of my brother. At the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, when Jesus is Lord, when we're not making our own God, but Jesus is Lord, and we're gathering. To seek his face and to obey him. The Holy Spirit comes and allows everyone to hear his neighbor in his own language. And even though we're speaking different languages, each of us heard the wonderful praises of God and we worship God together. If you are in a marriage and your communication is babble, Your communication is discord. I would encourage you to look at yourself for you might be trying to make a name great for yourself, make a great name for yourself. And it causes babble. And if we would humble ourselves and bring ourselves under the lordship of Jesus Christ, oh, I do believe you would be able to hear and communicate from the depths of the heart and hear in your own language it all begins with the lordship of Jesus and now we partake communion together to remember what love really is and what love really does for God so loved us that he showed it and he leaves heaven where he's worshipped in all of his splendor and he humbles himself to the point of becoming a man and not just any man but a poor homeless man and he serves us with profound teaching profound love profound wisdom and guidance even when we spat against him and he would say father forgive them they know not what they do and he would pursue us with his pursuing love And on the night that he was betrayed and arrested, he instituted the Lord's Supper, what we're going to partake of. And he said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of my Lordship. Do this in remembrance of my great love for you, for it will set your world aright. You may freely share this message with others as long as you don't charge for it. Support for these broadcasts comes from your generous donations that allow us to give away our materials for free. To participate with us, please visit our website at themissionchurch.net. God bless.